Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. I'm in a brand new series that I started last week called Both and But Jesus First. Both and But Jesus First. And last week, we talked about prayer and perspective. Prayer and and perspectives. In the holiday times, man, people get depressed. They're going through anxiety. They don't know how to celebrate it. They lost loved ones. So this, this time brings up just, just, just memories, man. And like, because they haven't processed, like it's just hard, man. It's hard to deal with certain holidays, knowing that certain people won't be there that used to always be there. There's people that literally like feel worse during the holidays when the holidays are supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, but everybody doesn't know how to process. And you know, uh, oftentimes as a preacher, I give you the spiritual side of things. Um, and then outside of church, you get the practical side of things. And I'm not necessarily saying one is better than the other. I'm saying it's both and, but in all of it, you got to put Jesus first. So as we navigate this holiday season, man, as we navigate our emotions, um, maybe this is not the most wonderful time uh, of, of the year for you. I want to teach you how to spiritually and practically process the space that you're in as we celebrate in this holiday season. So we came up with this series, Both And But Jesus First. And if you're, you're following us, um, like I said, last week we talked about prayer and perspective. What did Jesus do when he went through stress? Not only did he pray, he prayed harder. Sometimes, man, you got to pray like the old saints pray. Sometimes you got to get on your face, man. You got to get on your knees and you got just got to, you got to lean in. You got to pray till it's not come out. You got to pray till you got tears in your eyes, man. God always hears you when you pray, but you got to pray with proper perspective. You see, some people haven't even realized that they've gotten an answer from God. It might not have been the one that you wanted. God might not have taken you out of the fire, but he answered your prayer by giving you strength to go through it. So not only do you pray harder, you have to have proper perspective about your prayers and know that God always answers prayer. That was last week, but today, oh, I'm digging right back in to the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. I love this passage because when you read it, like, Jesus sounds kind of petty when you read it, but if you really get the heart of what he's saying, you, you understand why he says it. I think it's a beautiful passage. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to speak to you. He replied to him, <laughs> what Jesus said, it's kind of messed up. He was like, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Like, if I said that, if my mama was standing outside somewhere right now, and I said, who is my mother? She would, she would reach her Trinidadian hand through where, whatever wall was keeping us apart and backslap me all the way into next. Who is my mother? Boy, I tell her, I'm your mother. you only mother you got. Okay, sorry. Who is... Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here 
are my mother and brothers. Wow. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Today, if you're taking notes on this second part of both and but Jesus first, I want to talk about community and quiet. Community and quiet. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Once again, this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that was going to hear this message today. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, open hearts, minds, and ears for people to be receptive to just hear a word about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. God, we don't do this for fame and fortune. We do this to make you famous. We do this to spread your gospel. And God, I pray for people that are hurting in this holiday season. God, let them know they really need community, but they also need quiet. It's both and. But in all of it, let them know that they need you first and foremost. I pray for the one that's going to hear this word whose life is going to change because they accepted you, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Everyone said? Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in this place. Come on. I love, um, I love, I love, I love the holidays. I know I keep saying that, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that as soon as Thanksgiving is over, I go and buy eggnog. And I drink eggnog every day until Christmas. I'm that guy. I'm, I'm. I'm the guy that watches Christmas movies. I don't care how many times I've seen them. I will watch them every day, all the way till December 31st. I don't even care when Christmas is over. I'm still watching Christmas. I watch Home Alone at least 10 times before this season is over. Kevin! Okay, anyways, I'm that guy. But with that being said, um, as much as I love the holidays, I'm a, I'm a particular type of person. I'm going to see if you're tracking with me. Like... I love being in my house for the holidays. I like watching movies for the holidays. I, I like just being in my own space and being with myself during the holidays. Why? I'm a natural introvert. I like doing things with myself, okay? I don't need anybody to be around for me to have a good time. I can sit there, I can watch a movie all day, and I am good. I don't need anybody to have a conversation with. I can have conversations with myself, and a lot of times, I ain't even saying nothing, but I feel good about it. I'm a natural introvert, but no time in the entire calendar year do I realize how different me and my wife are than in this time. Because if I am the introvert, my wife is the extrovert. She wants to be at every holiday party. She wants people in our house at all times. She always wants to be surrounded. She is the turn up queen. I'm an introvert, a person that is predominantly concerned with their own thoughts and feelings rather than external things. My wife, she is an extrovert, predominantly concerned with external things and objective considerations. I see this in this time because there's something that 
happens in South Florida every year, the first week of December, and it's called Art Basel. My wife, I call her the Basel Queen. She gonna be at every event. She gonna be like, like every event. Like this is the one time where you will not see us together. Like, like, yeah, like you might see her out there, and I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna tell you. You know where I'm at? I'm at home. I can't deal with Basil. I can't. I can't be around a million people at all times. Like, like, and I tell every. I'm like, yo, you got one good Basil event out of me. You got one. After that, don't. Hey, find somebody. Find one of your girlfriends. Go hang out. Find your brother. Go. Don't invite me. I ain't coming. We did an event the other day, man, at the shop, and it was cool. I loved it. All my peoples was there. It was great. But, man, after I was done, I was like, whoo, man, I crushed Basil this year. I was at an event for two hours. I killed Basil. My wife, where are we going next? I'm like, no, no, stop, stop. Don't, don't, don't do it to me. I can't do it. My wife wanted to be all up in the mix. And when she went out the next day, she was like, Terrence, I'm going to this thing. You want to come? I was like, um... In my spirit, like I, 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 I want to, but, but, but uh, she was like, no, I'm just kidding. I understand if you need a recharge. She went out to Basel. I, I literally sat in my bed and I turned the TV towards my bed and I was drinking eggnog and watching nonsense on Netflix. And it was the most recharging, most invigorating. Oh, it was so good. I was, I was like in my bed. It felt so good. And she was out there turning. She was like, ah, I love it. We want Basel. She's feeling good. Me? Pajamas, eggnog, Netflix. This is the greatest feeling in the world. We're so different. And this time always makes me realize that. But here's what I want you to kind of catch. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, moments of community and moments of quiet are both necessary and inevitable in our human experience. I don't care what side of the coin you find yourself on. Like, we all need both. You, you, you may teeter to one side as opposed to the other, but we both need both parts. You need quiet and you need community. See, it doesn't matter how quiet you like things. You need community to survive. As my mother always says, and she tells me this to this day, no man is an island. Everybody Need somebody. As much as I like being by myself, I'm thanking God for the people that he has placed in my life. I love my community. I love this community called Cool Church, man. I may like to be alone, but my family surrounds me when I need it the most. And man, I feel so good being surrounded by an awesome community. And it doesn't matter if you're the life of the party. Like my beautiful wife, you need quiet moments in your life to reflect. Everything can't be turned up all the time. When do you take time for yourself? When do you take time to really process the moments of life? Yeah, it may be cool being around a lot of people, but at some point you need a moment to decompress. No one shows us a better balance of community and quiet than the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was masterful at both. If you want to talk about entourages, nobody had an entourage like Jesus. Always had people around him at all times, but he was the same person who always went a stone's throw away to go and pray. He always went off in moments by himself. He was in the crowd, he was away. He was in the crowd, he was away. And throughout the gospel, Jesus shows us the power of a strong community. He had his disciples, 12 men that were with him wherever he went, but he also shows us the peace that only the quiet moments 
of reflection can provide. To live a balanced life in this holiday season, you may be an introvert, you may be an extrovert, but if you want to live a life of balance, you need moments of community and quiet. And before I dig into this today, there's just two things that I want to talk about. And the first one is this. I want to talk about the fact that we all need the peace of quiet. We all need the peace of quiet. If you're like me, you value your quiet time. You need it. Like, I love, once again, being around my church family. I got some church family here today. I love each and every human in this place. And I love when we get together. And I love to see everybody, man. I love my blood family, man. Oh, man, my blood family, my church family. I love them to death, man. You guys are the best people in the world. I'm so thankful that I get to be your pastor. You guys make me feel so purposed to live on this earth because I know I get to serve you and love you and bless you and I need you in my life. But if I can be honest, sometimes I need a moment to myself. Sometimes I just need a moment to myself. Like when you give everything you have to people all the time, you find that people can drain you (laughs) and you just need a moment to recharge. Like, it's not that I don't want to ever be around people. Yeah, I got moments for that. But man, I I really cherish my moments to myself to recharge. And this was Jesus. Like, Jesus loves us all. And he was always around people. And I love it. Because everywhere, like, like, there were so many around uh, people around Jesus. Wherever he went, somebody stopped him on the way there. Everywhere he went. Everywhere. Like, Jesus might have had a primary objective, but he never was so focused on his primary objective that he wasn't willing to stop and help people along the way. This is Jesus. He was a master of being around people and doing it with grace, doing it with elegance, and he always does it with a servant's heart. For he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So he already knew you can't serve if there's nobody to serve. He knew he had to be amongst people. He knew his life was about service. But even though he was surrounded by the multitudes at all times, he would always take moments to himself. See, being alone, I want to I encourage somebody today. Being alone at times doesn't make you weird. It just makes you like Jesus. Makes you like Jesus. Let me give you six reasons Jesus chose commu- uh, quiet over community. Write these down. These should be in your notes. If you got the app, put on the app. All this is in your notes. But there's just six reasons that Jesus chose quiet over community. And the first was this. Jesus would go a stone's throw away or Jesus would choose quiet over community anytime he had to prepare. When he wanted to prepare, he chose quiet over community. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 14 and 15. This is right after Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says this. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Nobody went with him. He was by himself, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing. During those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Look at verse 14. We know he gets tempted by the devil. After his 40 days alone, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. If Jesus did not go into the wilderness, he would not be ready for the world. He went there to prepare. 
prepare himself because he knew as soon as he got back, as soon as he started walking in his calling, what does it say? Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread. Man, when you are prepared and ready, I promise you God will send people your way. This is what happens. So you need to take moments to prepare yourself to get ready. Anytime I got to do something, anytime I preaching this word, everybody in my house knows, give him some time so that he can prepare. I prepare myself. I don't just walk in. I come in prepared. I'm ready for what I'm supposed to do. I get filled up in those quiet moments by myself so that when it is time to minister the gospel, I can release what is in my spirit through the revelation that I've gotten in my quiet time. You got to prepare. People just go in and do stuff and they think, oh, yeah, I'm just be great. No, prepare. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Jesus knew I have to minister, but I must be prepared in order to minister. So Jesus, he goes a stone's throw away to prepare, but he also goes a stone's throw away to recharge. Jesus knew he needed to recharge. And he taught his disciples this. Look at Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 32. I know it's going to be a lot of scripture today, but man, I don't want to just give you like the opinions of Terrence. I want to show you actually where Jesus did the things that I was talking about. So Mark 6, 30 through 32, it says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Jesus empowers them. They go out, they're, they're preaching, they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're healing people. It's awesome. Verse 31, then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus was modeling for his disciples. After you serve people, you need to take a moment to go and recharge yourself. It's like y'all serving so, so many people, like y'all not even eating, like you're not even doing practical things. He says, take a moment with me. He was modeling them because he knew he would not be there for them forever. So he wanted to show them practical things to do. I promise you when I'm done with this message today, I'm going to go to my mom and dad's house. That's what I do every Sunday. And man, let me tell you something. I veg out. Half the time, it be some people there and they be all talking. After I eat, I go straight to sleep. They having whole conversations. I'm done. Why? Because I need a moment to recharge in a safe space. Have a safe space, a safe place, even safe people that you can be around so that you can recharge. Because after you have poured yourself out, you need a moment of quiet so that you can fill yourself up. He did it to prepare, he did it to recharge, but he also did it to mourn. Jesus mourned alone. Look at what Matthew 14 verses 12 through 13 say. This is right after his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded by the wicked King Herod. Look at what Jesus does. And I, I love that the Bible takes time to point this out. Not just in this gospel, in Mark, it says the same thing. It says, John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus, verse 13, when Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, he takes a moment to mourn someone that was special to him. I know a lot of people in mourning right now, and I know I mentioned a few earlier in this service, 
And what happens is with funerals, I think funerals are beautiful because every funeral I go to, especially of different cultures, I see different expressions of mourning. And I think it's beautiful. Some people mourn for hours on end. Some people mourn with songs. Some people mourn with tears. Some people mourn with stories. Some people mourn with laughter. And and those experiences are amazing. But oftentimes, I can speak from personal experience. When I've had to mourn someone, the time where I mourn the most is not amongst the community and the collective of people. It's in the quiet moments when I'm by myself. And I really begin to think of what that person actually meant to me. And I begin to cherish the memories, the legacy of memories that they left in my spirit. And I shed tears that no one sees. I laugh in moments by myself when I think about some of the joys that we had. Oftentimes, the most healing will come not when you're amongst the crowd of mourners, but when you're in the quiet moments by yourself. Even Jesus needed to get away from the crowd in order to mourn the people that he loved. And I just want to encourage some folks out there today that I know are specifically mourning. We are here. We are family. We are not going anywhere. But if you need a moment to yourself, it's okay. You don't have, hey, you're mourning. You don't have to be strong right now. I know you're a believer and I know you got faith. And I know you want everybody to see you walking through the fire. You don't have to be strong right now. Take a moment by yourself. I always say pray, process, push forward. A lot of people want to pray and push forward, but they don't take the proper time to process what they are actually going through. And they try to be this pillar of strength. But as you're trying to be that pillar of strength every day, the structure of that pillar is being tested and weakened because you haven't taken a moment by yourself for God to strengthen you. Take a moment. It's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to be by yourself for a little bit. I'm not saying stay that way, but it's okay. He went to a quiet place to prepare, to recharge, to mourn, and to make decisions. Man, Jesus, he would not make a decision until he sought the proper counsel from his father. Look at what Luke um, chapter 6, verses 12 through 13 says. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them who he would also designate as apostles. Before Jesus made the proper designation of apostles onto his disciples, disciples does not just speak to the 12 men that followed him. There were countless disciples. This speaks to the time where Jesus sent out 72. They were all disciples of Jesus, but there were 12 that he put some specificity to. There were 12 that he focused on and he prayed about. And Jesus Jesus prayed about his circle. He knew that the 12 men that he would pick would flip the world upside down. What an important decision. Some of us walk into decisions and we never pray. We get we getting the counsel from all kinds. Oh, let me see what she thinks. Oh, let me let me see what he think about this. But you have never taken the time to get along with God to hear what he has to say about your specific situation. Some people cannot hear the Holy Spirit because they are too crowded with other voices trying to give them advice when they need the counsel of the Lord. 
You got to get away from the crowd if you want to hear the voice of the Spirit. Times where the Holy Spirit speaks to me, nine times out of ten, is not when I'm in a crowd of people. Because everybody got something to say. Everybody trying to tell you what you should do when they don't know what you should do because God is the one that created you. He's the only one that knows what you should do because he orders our steps. For the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes you got to take a quiet moment so that you can hear him. If Jesus had to go away and pray all night about a decision, how much more do we? How much more do we? But it's not just to prepare, to recharge, to mourn, to make decisions. It's to process stress. We, did this. we talked about this last week. Luke 22, 41 through 44, when Jesus was about to go to the cross, says he withdrew a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, yet your, yet your will be done. Jesus was about to have a traumatic experience. He was stressed. He felt depression. He felt anxiety. He's like, I got to get away from everybody so I can have a moment to process this. Jesus never promises a life of ease. He promises, though, that he will be there through it all. So there's going to be moments that you go through that are not roses as a believer. There's going to be moments that are stressful, moments that wear you out, moments that depress you, moments that give you anxiety. And Jesus models for us what to do in those moments. Sometimes you just got to get away and pray to God to strengthen you. God, I need strength to get through this. This does not feel good. Sometimes you just got to air it out with God. Man, if I told you some of the conversations I had with God when I was stressed out, I think some people think I just sit there and pray, oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, thine will be done. No! Sometimes I'm like, God, why is this like this? I don't even want to do this anymore. Like, like, like for real? Like, like really? Like, 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 these are the, <laughs> like, I have a healthy fear of God. But sometimes in my human emotions, man, I got to air that stuff out. The Bible says that when Jesus prayed in Hebrews, it was with large tears. He was on his face. He screamed like, I, I, I think we have these like little passive prayers like, oh, I'm working it out with God. No, doesn't work like that. God is the inventor of emotion. I, listen. I don't make decisions based upon emotion because I think that's a scary thing to do. But if God creates emotion, then that means there's a proper place and time to express those emotions. If I'm going to express my emotion with anybody, it won't be to a person that will hurt me. It will be to the God that created me and loves me and won't judge me for the emotions that he gave me to express to him. Emotions are beautiful. When put in the proper context, you got to get alone and process your stress. You don't just go to a place of quiet to prepare and to recharge, to mourn, to make decisions and to process stress. I think this is the most important reason Jesus did it. He did it to remain humble. And this is where a lot of people miss it. Because pride is a scary thing that kills a lot of people, whether they realize it or not. G... Jesus, God himself, shows us what humility looks like. In Luke 5, 15 through 16, it says, watch, watch this. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him 
and he and to be healed of their sicknesses. Jesus was a celebrity. Crowds of people came to see what they could get from him. I don't know about you. If crowds of people start coming on you, you might start to believe that you are responsible for things that God is doing. He says the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of his sickness. Verse 16. But I love that. The crowds came to be healed, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I got to get around, get away from this crowd because I don't want this crowd to gas me. I don't want this crowd to make me forget my objective. I don't want this crowd to make me forget my primary mission on this planet. I am here to be the savior of mankind. I am not here to save myself. I am not here for worship. I am not here for adoration. I am here to sacrifice myself for them. And if I allow them to gas me, I might forget what the primary objective is. So many people got so many, yeah, they like being around the crowd because that's where the yes men are. They like being around the crowd because those are the people that gas them up. And Jesus says, let me get away from this because too much of this is not good for anybody. I need to get away so I can pray. I need to realign myself with my heavenly father because I don't want pride to develop in me because I've seen the consequences of pride in heaven before by someone named Lucifer who thought he was all that. He was cast down because of his pride. I am the son of God. I know who I am. I don't need people to tell me who I am. I need to get away and alone so I can be with God so he can affirm who he created me to be. I want my affirmation from God, not from man. You get away from the crowd so that you can remain humble. I've known a lot of good people, man, that started out on this ministry walk and they're ministers of the gospel, but they start to get gassed by the crowd because they don't take moments to get on their face and humble themselves before God. If the only voice If the voice of the crowd is louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit, pride will come for you. There's times we need to be alone so we can prepare to recharge, to mourn, to make decisions, to deal with stress, and to humble ourselves. But in all of it, never forget, you still need community. You still need community. And nobody understands community better than Jesus. See, We need the peace of quiet and we need the comfort of community, the comfort of community. I love Jesus because like he was so intentional about choosing his community and he found real comfort in it. And people oftentimes they make this spiritual journey look like a lonely walk when it's meant to really be a collaborative effort. Nobody's supposed to do this thing called life alone. And if Jesus who is God. I want you to understand that. Jesus is the son of God and the savior of man. Jesus is all man and he is all God. If Jesus, who is God, thought it was important enough and knew that community was essential to the human condition, we don't need to run from church. We need to find a church community that we can thrive in. I hear people say it all the time. Oh, I'm spiritual. I don't need church. You're wrong. Why why would Jesus Christ give his life for something that we didn't need? 
We need church. And even further than that, not only did he give his life for this thing that we need, he himself, who is God, models it for us. Jesus wasn't just walking around alone. He had accountability surrounding him. And even in the 12, he had an inner circle of three. Jesus show, Jesus doesn't need it. He's God. He's perfect. But he says, I have to show you how to do it. He's showing us that we all have a need for community. It is essential. I, man, I love people who are super spiritual. But man, how, listen, here's the thing. If you don't want to have a church community here on earth, what are you going to do when you get to heaven, Mr. Spiritual? You're going to be surrounded by people. And all we're going to be doing is praising God all day. What you going to do? You're going to sit in the corner and praise God? Or you're going to be with the, with, 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 with the community of saints? You're going to be with the crowd. It doesn't, it doesn't say like the, solid, the solitary witnesses. It speaks to a crowd of witnesses in heaven. If you're scared of crowds, don't go to heaven. Because they're going to be there. The crowd of witnesses. I, 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 I love this because if you can't find community down here, I don't truly understand how you're going to process the family of heaven. Yeah. Look, look, at, look at this. We're going to get to our original verses right now. Matthew 12, 47 through 50. It says, someone told him, this is the same Jesus that always went away. Now we see him in the context of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside waiting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? I told you, I'd have got 10 backslaps for that from moms. <laughs> Pointing to his disciples, he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sisters and mother. You might look at this passage and you might take offense to the way that Jesus seems dismissive of his family. But that's not even the case. You see, what Jesus was doing, and I love this, and if, you, if, if you're a person that gets offended easily by the things that Jesus says, even though there are many things that he does say to offend purposefully, but if, if you are offended easily, you will miss out on the beauty of grace that is actually being shown in this statement. Jesus says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? What is Jesus doing in one sentence? He's expanding his family beyond his blood. How beautiful is that? Like this statement is awesome because it's a foreshadow of the grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I love this. He's most accepting of the people that you don't expect him to be accepting of. I always say, man, some people are going to be real surprised when we get to heaven. You're going to be shocked because all the people that you don't think is going to be there. Those are the people that Jesus is the most accepting of. It's not the people that you would automatically, of course, he, of course his mom and his brothers can come in. Jesus is not saying that he can come, that they can't come in. He's just saying, my family's bigger than what you realize. Y'all saying my family's outside. No, my family's right here. My family are the people that choose to be the closest to me. This, look at what he says. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak with you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers, one of the most beautiful comforts that community of faith should be able to provide for you is that Jesus choose, chooses, he chooses to be a part of something, but at the same time, he does not show favoritism to who he chooses. You see that? He should show, he should like, if it were me, moms, come on, hey, bro, come on. 
I'm talking to them, but hey, yeah, 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 y'all come in. I got a space for y'all. Jesus says, who is my, who's my mother? Who is my brothers? Oh, you know who it is? It's these dudes right here. They sitting right here. I love this community called church because Jesus chose to be a part of it, but he has no particular favorites in the process. It's a beautiful thing. I love our church because like, you don't have to like be a certain way. You don't have to like know a specific person. You ain't got to dress a certain way. Your pastor wears a beanie, which the Holy Spirit can still get through on a Sunday and a shirt that I'm really hot in right now. You don't have to come with a suit on. You don't have to come with slacks. You don't have to come with a sundress. You don't have to be blessed and highly favored. You don't have to know every scripture. I love our church because there's no specificity of who you have to be to be a part of the family. You just come. Like, you don't have to know somebody to feel loved here. I, I, I love it because like there's people that come in all the time and they say, man, it was my first time. I felt so loved. It's the best compliment. Listen, you ever come to our church and you feel like it's the best compliment you could ever give. I didn't know anybody. I just felt loved. I felt loved. The church that Jesus was trying to model for his disciples to build was one that did not give special treatment or attention to others because of the perceived value that they have. His mother and his brothers should have had the most value to him because they shared blood. They shared the DNA of Mary. But I love Jesus because he says, these are my mother and brother and sisters. There's no preferential treatment. We don't just treat people nice in church because they look good. We don't just love people in church because they actually give money to the church. We don't love people in church because they serve. We don't love people in church because they're attractive, because they smell good, because you think they would be good to do something at the church. We love them because God made them. Period. I don't care where they're from. I don't care what they're currently into. I love them because they were created out of love. Stop like put stop putting this like favoritism on people that walk in the church, man. The church is guilty of pushing people away from church because they feel like they got to be a certain way before they get here. I'm I'm always going to preach come as you are. While I always preach, don't stay that way. This should be a transformational space for messed up people to walk in and not feel judged when they come through the door. Do you know the story of the disciples? They were some of the most messed up people. He says, this is my mother. This is my brother. These are my sisters. These people are like blood to me. Why? Because they choose me. They choose to be around me. See, we all need to see people, every person. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they believe. Whether you disagree with their identity, who they choose to identify as or not, 
see them as special because God made them that way God made everyone special every person is special we choose who we want to be but God makes every one of us special and he made you he makes you perfect he makes you in his image we all may make some really messed up choices along the way but God don't make no junk and God don't make no mistakes I want you to hear me when I see people I don't see all the stuff they've put on themselves when I see people, I don't, even, I don't see all the identities they've given themselves. When I see people, I don't, I don't see all the mess they've allowed themselves to get into. I see them as special because God made them that way. God doesn't play. God, listen, the reason why God can't play favorites is because we're all his favorite. We're all his favorite. Because there's something unique about each and every one of us, something about him he placed inside of all of us. The Bible says that there's a deposit of his spirit that is in us that guarantees what is to come. So I don't see people for their flesh and blood. I see people for the spirit that God has placed inside them. Let's stop seeing people for the temporary and start seeing them for the eternity living in them. This is what God does. And because when we see people like that, then everyone becomes family. This is why Romans 12, 5 says, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs. Man, we belong to one another. Like when you see people like family, man, you realize they belong. You belong like there's not a person that ever walks into the house of God. And even the ones that choose not to. That I'm not looking at as a potential brother and sister. Because they're special in God's eyes. We belong to one another. We all have a role to fill. We all have a part to play. There's no favorites in the kingdom community. And I don't care who you are today. You're going to find love in this house. Because God is calling all of us to treat each other like equals in his house. In the kingdom community. In the church of Jesus Christ. All are welcome. All are saved. All are loved. Because God doesn't see you for who you are. He sees you for who he designed you to be. Who are my brothers and sisters? I'm going to tell you exactly who. Because Matthew 12, 49 specifies. It says, pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For, I love this, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, my mother. Whoever does the will, who are our brothers and sisters? Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven are my brother, his sister's mother. Jesus points to his disciples and says, whoever does God's will is my family. How beautiful is that? But your family's outside. No. Whoever does God's will is my family. Your, fam your mom's outside. I know. And she can come in. But whoever does God's will. But your brothers though, man. Like you played with them as a little kid. I know. He can come in. But whoever does the will of my father, that's, that's my family. He's saying these men, these disciples... They weren't connected to me by blood. 
they chose to be here. They chose to do God's will. Therefore, that's who my family is. You see, the other comfort of community is not that, not just that the community doesn't play favorites, but the other comfort is the community of faith that is the church is our family of choice. It's the place we choose to be. Like, I love cool church because nobody's forced to be here. We chose to be a part of this like-minded faith community of people that believe like us and act like us and look like us and walk like us and talk like us. We all chose to be in this place. Together, we all chose to carry kingdom culture. But more than all of it, we all choose to do the will of our Father. Hopefully, if you're a part of this church, I pray that you found somebody that does not share the same physical blood as you and you call them family. Like, we're not doing this right if the only family you have in cool church is the family that you came with. Because it's not about the family of origin. I love the family of origin. I honor the family of origin. I will die for my family of origin. But man, I love my family of choice. These are people I get to choose. To, you don't have to be around who you don't want to be around. Like I chose y'all. But I'm so thankful y'all chose me. It's so big. Like this is why I get upset with people when they knock other churches. Stop talking bad about other churches. I love cool church. It's so much better than my life. You shut your mouth. You stop it right now. Because there's a, a community kingdom, a kingdom community of choice for everyone. And it might not be cool church, and I'm okay with that. We need more churches, more diverse churches, more diversity in churches. We need people that sing old hymns. We need people that sing new ones. We need people that speak in the Holy Spirit, and we, people, we need people that choose not to. We need all kinds of churches. There's a church for somebody. Say, Pastor, you too charismatic, and I can't get down with your outfit. That's okay. I still love you. I hope you find a church for you. Choose the one for you. This is the family of choice. You don't have to be here. Choose it. Choose it. This is a beautiful family of choice. And we're not going to knock people because they don't sing the songs we sing. They don't preach the way we preach. They don't serve the way we serve. They don't look the way we look. I pray to God that they find a church that's the perfect fit for them. Because they all need community. We all need community. Just make sure wherever you go, you can seek the will of God and you can live out the will of God for your life. Let that be the only prerequisite. Wherever you go, wherever you choose, because what does Jesus say? He says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, wherever you go, you need to be able to seek the will of God and you need to be able to act out the will of God for your life. That's the, that's the capital C church. No matter what you may call it, doesn't have to be cool. I love I love every, I mean, I want everybody to be here, but I know, man, this is not a perfect fit for everybody because here's the truth. There are no perfect churches, but there is a perfect fit for you. 
There's a perfect, there's a perfect fit somewhere for you. This is not an ego, uh, ego message, man, because if it was an ego message, I'd be like, man, everybody come here. No, I just want you to go where you can pursue the will of God for your life. I, I want you to be a part of the capital C church, the, the, the kingdom. Community. Yeah, there's moments that you need to be by yourself, but man, you still need a community. You need a kingdom community. You see, you got to find the place you can see God's will. And I love Jesus because... Jesus wants you to choose. He said, this is my family to the disciples because they chose to be around him. He said, follow me. They didn't have to follow. They chose. And Jesus wants you to choose to be a part of his family called the church because the truth is, he chose you first. He chose you first. And because we're his family of choice, because we, the church, the capital C church is Jesus' family of choice, he was willing to give up everything for us. For the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Stop, get, stop getting so caught up in that verse where how husbands and wives should treat each other. This is a bigger picture. It's so much deeper than that. It's trying to show you that when you truly love something, you sacrifice for it. Jesus chose us first. And he loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless you see the truth of the matter is Jesus Christ he died for his church he died for his community he had moments where he was by himself but he died for his community and his church is all of us collectively and individually we are living stones you may see a building and you may see a stack of stones yeah that's a community but man every individual stone is important to the structure of the building Jesus loves us collectively and individually and we need to be a part of a community of faith the church a spotless bride because that's who Jesus is coming back for Jesus is not coming back for individuals. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for a spotless bride without blemish. He's coming back for a spotless bride. That is holy. But we all have to make a decision. And I want somebody to hear me. It's not a community decision. It's a decision you have to make in the quiet of your own spirit. I can't make a decision of salvation for you. The church can't make a decision of salvation for you. It's a decision you have to personally and individually make in the quiet of your own spirit. God's coming back for his church, but we all have an individual decision to make. You see, it's a personal decision and nobody else can make for you to put Jesus first as the Lord and Savior of your life. Because Jesus is not just the Lord of this community called church, but he must be the Lord of you individually. Today, 
We all need quiet. We all need community. But more than anything, we all need Jesus. Each and every one of us. It's both, it's and, but it's Jesus first. And I don't know who's been listening to this message today and you've been trying to figure out how to process things. Maybe you got to get away from the crowd. And maybe you just need to seek a moment of peace and quiet so that you can hear your heavenly father say, son, daughter, I love you. Choose me because I already chose you. Or maybe you've been by yourself trying to navigate this thing and you've been trying to figure out this spiritual life, but it's so hard. I would encourage you to hear the voice of your father that says, go and be a part of my community that I've built to encourage you while you're down here called the church. Be a part of my body. You're not alone. I know it feels like you're alone, but you're not alone. For I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But when you can't feel me, when you can't see me, you can always be a part of my church. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but if you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he loves you. But more importantly, he chose you. Will you choose him? When you choose him today, on the count of three, you say, man, I want to be the part of the capital C church, but I know I got to make an individual decision first. And I'm not worrying about what the crowd is doing. I want to do this for myself in this quiet moment. I hear the voice of the Lord in my spirit. I might not hear the audible voice, but I feel the spirit tugging on my heart. And I, I want to make a decision to choose Jesus for myself, not with the advice of somebody. I want to choose him in this quiet moment for myself. I want to feel him like I never felt him before. I want Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. If that's you on the count of three, wherever you are, I want you to raise your hand. I don't care who's with you. You might be by yourself. Then guess what? The only person that's going to know your hand up is you and God. Is you and God. So right now on the count of three, if you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm not asking you if you need a healing. I'm not asking you if you need abundance in your life. I'm asking you if you need Jesus. Count of three. Raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise it up. I don't know who I'm talking to. I can't see you. God can, but more than he sees your hand, he sees your heart. I can't, I can't make this decision. The community can't make this decision for you. You got to make it for yourself. In the quiet moments, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart right now. If your hand's up, I want to tell you I'm proud of you. Best decision you can make. But now I want you to do what the Bible says, Romans 10, 9. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart he was raised from the dead. When you confess and believe, you will be saved. That's what the Bible tells me. When you confess and believe, it means you choose Jesus. How awesome is that? Because he already chose you. I want everybody to repeat after me in the sound of my voice. Everybody to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness, to take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You prayed that prayer. You're a brand new creation. 
all of heaven cheers. Listen, I can't open up the ceiling and show you, but I promise you the Bible says that when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. They turning up right now. So if you're online, start hitting those claps, start hitting those likes, start turning up right now and let everybody know that if they chose Jesus, they are a son and daughter of the Most High God. So we're going to turn up on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Woo! I don't know who that was for, but I want you to know if you made that decision, you're a part of the Capital C Church. You're a part of a community. You don't have to do life alone. Sometimes you need moments where you're alone so you can hear from your Heavenly Father, but man, don't ever forsake the gathering of the saints. Be a part of a community that will love you and that will help you and be your ever-present help in time of need. Amen? Man, you need community. You need quiet. There's both and, but always Jesus first. Amen? I love y'all so much. I hope y'all got something from that message, man. If you know somebody that needs to hear that, uh, please share it with them, man. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's something that's going to bless their life. You can share it. Um, and, you know, you can tell them watch it 1230 today. You tell them watch it at 7. It's on demand. Just make sure they watch that and know that they need community and quiet, man. I love y'all so much. Reach towards me. Let me bless you before you go. Father God, I thank you for the most wonderful people in all the world, the people of Cool Church. Bless them as they rise up, as they lie down, as they go out, as they come in, they're laboring in their leisure. God, surround them with your presence. And God, I pray that this week of their life will be the best week of their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Love y'all. God bless. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.